Good evening and welcome to a special edition of Rose City Politics. Uh, tonight we are uh, gathered here in the kitchen studios above Reno's Kitchen Restaurant to remember Mark Boscario. Uh, Mark uh, has been a contributor to Rose City Politics for many years. Uh, um, beyond that, uh, Mark has been a major force uh, in this community, and we have gathered a number of people here tonight who are going to um, to share their thoughts um, and share their memories of Mark Biscariel. Um We are also going to play some clips uh, from um, Mark's time on Rose City Politics. Uh, so I guess some introductions are in order. Speaking into the microphone right now is Doug Sartori. Um, among the regular Rose City Politics panel, we also have Pat Papadeus. Hi. <laughs> Say hello. Thank you, Pat. Don Merrifield. Hey, how's it going? We have, um, sorry, He's Paul, Paul Sinnott. Yes, Paul's next days. to me. He hasn't How been on the show too long. He's kind of yeah. new. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, hopefully, we'll have some other regulars here today. Uh, we have lots and lots of guests uh, that will be joining us. Um, let's start by talking about today. So um, today was uh, the funeral service for Mark. Um, and uh, Rose City Politics uh, panelist Pat Papadeus had the opportunity to be um, one of the folks who gave the eulogy. Um, Pat, what, what was it like today? So, first of all, it was, uh, you know, I was really deeply touched uh, to have been asked. Um, uh, uh, Bill Marr and I uh, gave the eulogy. Uh, Bill's going to be joining us on the show. And... Um, you know, I think for sure we were honored uh, to do it. I was uh, glad to be standing with Bill side by side. Uh, there was a comfort there uh, in knowing him. And uh, we spoke, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare because there's so many other things that were happening. But we talked about some themes and um, didn't want to repeat the same things. But we felt that um, we complimented uh, what we had to say about Mark. I think it's, you know, it was my first uh, eulogy that I've... I've um, and so you put a lot of thought into it, right? Because you're really thinking about, you know, the person, but you're also thinking about the people who are pained and uh, who loved him and love him and who, um, you know, what words you're going to share. But you also want to make it real. And, I mean, Mark was... Um, for anyone that knew him, an incredible, extraordinary person. And so how do you capture all of that? Um, and that's really what, you know, I, I tried to do. And, and to, you know, at the same time, Mark was fun and fun-loving and had humor. And so, um, you know, wanting to uh, make sure that conveyed, you know, a good sense of who Mark was. You had um, you gave some excellent anecdotes uh, in your eulogy tonight. Um, you or today you talked about um, you gave some Mark stories. And so how do you pick? How do you select from the universe of stories about Mark what you're going to talk about? You know, it was really difficult to to do that. And in fact, um, Bill and I talked about this. And in in fact, if um, you read uh, Mark's obituary, it was in there. It basically said that you know we're not naming anybody. Uh, outside of immediate family in, in terms of friends and colleagues and partners and associates and all, all the people that you know were in Mark's life um, because if we name one we wouldn't have to name we would have to name hundreds and that was something that we kept in mind as well where do you um, what 
what do you say where now you're starting to exclude uh, people? So, um, I, you know, I did mention names, but it was in the context of telling the story. It was necessary. And all the other things I, in fact, thought about people um, while I conveyed those other messages. Um, so try to speak to the people that were there um, and hopefully people heard uh, themselves in that. But of course, I mean, I, I couldn't, you know, there had to have been a connection. So I did talk about Mar- uh, how I met Mark. I mean, I didn't talk about how I met Mark. Well, I think I did. Uh, I met Mark 18 years ago, was on a political campaign. And, you know, it's also really interesting to, you know, be at a funeral service. You know, we're, we're on a show called Rose City Politics, so we live and breathe it, and certainly Mark did. But, you know, not everybody in, in there is, you know, thinking that this should be about politics, and it wasn't. Uh, and certainly, you know, Bill and I talked about that, and what was important to us that, is that we didn't politicize anything. Um, but of course, politics was part of Mark, and so we couldn't not say that. So, in fact, I mean, that's how we met. Uh, Mark and I uh, met on a political campaign, uh, talked about our other connections, just so there was some placement on on who I was in relation to these stories, and the other connections, of course, that we have with Mark. Well, there's many, but um, the are, are the Windsor International Film Festival, which Mark founded, um, and I'm currently on the board, and he continued to be very, very much involved. And, uh, of course, us, Rose City Politics. Right. Um, one of the things that, that struck me over the past week in, in talking to so many people about Mark um, is the, um, the, the, the um, anecdote or the parable of the, uh, the blind people and trying to explain an elephant. And, uh, you know, one person's touching the trunk and they say, well, this is like a snake thing. And, you know, whoops, someone else is touching another part of the elephant. And, and that's kind of what I felt about, um, about Mark's life and the expansiveness and, and the many, many different things that he's involved in and was involved in. Um, that, that every person has a different perspective and is talking to you about this whole different world that um that they shared with mark that's so different from you know you mentioned the world of politics and and other folks would have um totally different experiences and and on that note i want to um i want to turn to you paul um because uh, uh you had a different not only were you engaged in the world of politics very heavily with mark but also um you had an opportunity to be in in business with mark and i want to i want to hear what that's like and what what it's like to work with mark as a business partner even even long before that um, when I first met Mark is, is back when my good friend Nick Wallace and I had cruise control when we first started the business. That's how I met Mark um, in an event downtown and um, he called us for a ride. You know, responsible guy, he needed to get home you know, all the way out to where he lived in South Windsor. What he, what he neglected to tell us is he had a 40-foot trailer loaded with, <laughs> with chairs stacked on the back of the trailer, none of which were tied down. It was like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and we had to drive into South Windsor. We were, we were spreading chairs from downtown to South Windsor all the way there. It's the craziest ride I ever had in my life. I had no idea who this guy was. I had a, a sense of who Mark was at that point, but I had never met him. Um, we got home. He's like, oh, dude, the service is so cool. I love you. Um, Mark being Mark, we picked up four corporate accounts in the next week for recommendations <laughs> from Mark. He's like, I took this service. You should call them, set up a corporate account. I am. I barely met the guy. And he sent me you know, business like no tomorrow. Um, to the current day, to the years of, of Rose City politics. Um 
amazing. Yeah. You know, he he knew We Speak Studio was my uh, was my thing. I swore I wasn't going to do this, but <clears throat> planned it for a lot of years. Took a long time to get it in play. Mark said, "Hey, dude, when you're ready to start, let me know. I'll send you my guys to give you a hand." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." You know, Mark's got maintenance guys that work for him, do stuff. They'll help me do some drywall. So I called Mark up one day and I said, you know what? Finally pulling the trigger. Done it. Got the space. Just want to let you know, you know, whenever you can send the guys, that'd be great. Next morning, Mark calls me. He's like, can you meet me in the studio at 10 o'clock? Okay. He's like, Randy, too tall. The owner is going to be there. And I'm like, okay. Like, What's it about? He's just meet me there. So we go to the studio meet Randy, and he goes, this is Chris. I'm like, hi, Chris, how you doing? He's like, this is your contract. Hmm. And I'm like, what? he said, told you I was going to set my guys. Built the studio. Oh, he built my dream. Yeah. How, how do you repay that? It's tough. Part of the stories, and this is what we try to convey today. I mean, for every one story, there were hundreds. There are hundreds and hundreds of stories of, of um, you know, the lives of people that Mark um, touched, and he was generous. But he was generous in 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 so many ways. But particularly, um, you know, that that connection that he made with people. Yep. Well, even even the story you shared during the uh, during the eulogy today, and. Mm -hmm. I mean, to share it with our listeners, how Mark ended up on the show. Um, <laughs> I'm still not sure how he ended up on the yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> I've got that. I've got I mean, the here. original creators of the show were, were Kieran, who who just uh, came. Welcome late, like always. Um, Kieran. Yeah, hi, Chris everybody. Holt Sorry, and um, Ryan. I, I forget Ryan's Solomon. last name. Solomon. Solomon. Mm -hmm. And Chris brought me on one time, and for some strange reason, Kieran and I hit, us off, hit it off, and he invited me back. And you know, became a regular on the show. And but Kieran always ran the board, did the you know, did everything. I don't think anybody here would be surprised that you know I never had a problem you know speaking in the mic and you know dealing with the media you know part. But then running the board, I just never paid attention. Kieran always did it. And then there was one night I can't remember. Kieran was at a conference in London or Toronto or something. He was supposed to be back. Nobody else was around. It was supposed to be him and I. And he called me at like 7.30, He's like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm stuck on the 401. I'm not going to make it. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to make it? He's like, you have to be here. He's like, no. He's like, he goes, you can do it. Just ask the guy before you how to show you. I mean, classic C-Jam, you know. <laughs> so I'm freaking. I already did one show before by myself, which is scary enough it is to talk for an hour on your own. But at least he had arranged a, a board operator to be there to, to run the technical end. Now I'm freaking, and I'm first person that popped in my mind. I mean, we were talking about downtown issues. I called Mark, and I'm like, you got to come. you got to come. I'm, like, I'm, I'm really scared right now. And he's like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I don't know where he was, but he was there in like 12 minutes. Got a one-minute briefing from the guy on the board. We went on the air. We muffled our way through a show. And Mark's like, that was amazing. He goes, can I come back? And I'm like, yeah, we'd love to have you back. And he never left. <laughs> he never left. He just, he became part of the show. And, every, you know, everybody loved him. Everybody loved arguing with him, debating with him. 
Um, it was the greatest emergency I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and as as Bill said today, uh, you know, the rescue or sorry, I was sorry, it was the priest who said today, the rescuer. Yeah. 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 He just he jumped on board and came to the rescue. If uh, uh, for those of those uh, who are listening, um, if you'd like to share a memory uh, with us during this live broadcast, you can tweet at RCP Windsor. Um, we will read it and we will endeavor to um, to get those on the air. Why don't we hear from uh, Mark mm-hmm. now? Um, uh, Sarah, we've got two clips queued up. One is, um, I think, uh, a great clip about um, the uh, the flag. Uh, and the other is a clip of Mark making some comments about the regional chamber of commerce. And I think we should play them back to back. They're both, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're both, uh, uh, excellent. We come back after that and have a chat. Mark, what does Canada's 150th birthday mean to you? And l- wait, wait, let me guess envelope to the forehead. You're going to plug something. I'm going to plug <laughs> the Riverside drive. We and my son went down for fireworks the other night and we having that uh, fireworks and the backdrop of that flag just makes me want to thank that committee that brought us that flag one more time. It was beautiful. It was great. And it made me feel extra patriotic in Canada. There was some surprise to see our chamber support some progressive initiatives, but I, I, I kind of feel that it was more provincially um, driven, not locally driven because normally our chamber really just has always catered to large businesses, banks, uh, developers, and uh, I mean, I, I I went up against them before, you know, decade ago when they were fighting um, converting farmland to um, to to, to uh, agricultural to uh, commercial. And I'm saying, I was saying, look, I'm a member. You're not supporting my interests. I don't want to see farmland converted to things. I want you to support our businesses in the core. And I had a, I had a I had to fight my own chamber, and I really didn't care for them again. And, so, so it's, um, and that's where you have people like Zingerman's uh, supporting progressive initiatives like the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies that talk about buy local or buy by local. Support our businesses. Okay, and uh, that clip ended with um, Mark making the statement that we all heard so many times buy local or buy by local. Um, <laughs> Kieran, you're just joining us. Um, uh, maybe, maybe you want to react to the, what you just heard. Uh, classic, and again, sorry I'm late. Um, there's good reasons, but I don't need to share them on the air here today. Uh, uh, classic Mark Boscariel, uh talking about something great that happened in the downtown core, something that could be a, um, a catalyst for people to enjoy the core, uh, enjoy downtown more uh, with respect to the, to the flag, or the Great Canadian Flag Project. And then his, his take on the, uh, on the Ag piece, no, no question about it. Uh, the, that whole buy local philosophy, he lived by local. He, he, I mean, he, he was local. Everything about him was about those things and, uh, um, and, and was a shining example of that and was an example of that in like all of his different permutations and walks of life uh he was uh, if he opened up a new bar uh you're you're going to find all kinds of local products on tap on the menu uh the, the festivals that we talked about all of the different community uh, uh events that he was involved in uh and not just okay i can volunteer a little bit of time literally built them from the ground up from nothing about building the community and uh he, uh, uh, those, those two quotes, I think, exemplify uh, a lot and encapsulate a lot of what he, uh, he was about and what he did uh, in Windsor and, and in this region generally. Uh, Don, I'm going to turn to you because the next clip that we're going to listen to, um, uh, I think, reflects Mark's love of mischief. 
Oh, so, what did we do? So uh, you're the of course, you're, Don. Yeah, you're the expert on mischief. Doesn't trouble. All right. <laughs> talk about it. Talk a little bit about about uh, Mark's sense of humor and his sense of fun, if you don't mind. You know, during the show, even when we were live, uh, Mark and I were constantly looking at each other because we knew what jokes we were making in our head, but we just couldn't say them out loud. <laughs> and, and actually, to to go a little bit on that last clip. And we were talking about the flag. Mark had this great ability to somehow weave a promotion into everything. We would be doing a show about, you know, that stupid tunnel they want to build at Riverside Drive. And, like, within 45 seconds, we're talking about the film festival for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think Mark had, like, six different conversations going on in his head. And he wasn't sure which one was live at the time. So, he would just kind of weave them all in and out. And it was, uh, it was always interesting doing the show with Mark because you have to learn how to improvise really quick. So uh, for just to set this up a bit, for those who um, remember last year, we had um, we had a Christmas light extravaganza in Jackson Park uh, in the month of December. Um, this clip is from uh, from that time. Uh, and uh, this is Mark talking about his own Christmas light display. <laughs> of course. <laughs> What an incredible way to support my neighborhood, support my streets, support my neighborhood, and troll the city and mayor. And uh, when you have all those things going against you, so what I wanted to do is we, we fixed up um, the building. Um, David spent, um, put a thousand lights up. We put another 6,500 lights up. 50 feet of frontage we did for a cost of under $1,800. And I did the math, I extrapolated very unscientifically, just using my thumb and a Google map and how much frontage we did. And I, mean, I, I think that's that's pretty scientific. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what we did is I came up with a number that you could do for what we did to our building on the main floor only. Like Royal, Now, we did it like Royal Oak. Another neighborhood could do it like Northville for the same money where they did multicolors. And you could do the same what we did for our building, which I, I'm really proud of, from Olette, from Riverside to Elliott, Wyandotte Street, all the BIA areas on Wyandotte Street from here to Jefferson, because you have Wyandotte, Town Center, Walkerville, Fort City, Paulette, and Riverside. Yep. Um, Erie Street, Ottawa Street, both sides of the city, and Sam Stroud. And maybe if they ever had a new Asian village, you can even include that, or my favorite name for it, the Silk Road. And what would that all cost? A million dollars. So people need to put that in perspective. You could light the entire city. Okay. But, yeah, but you'd but have to raise taxes, I hear. Would there be. <laughs> Sing. Would there be a twenty-foot dancing elf display? No, in, but not the first year. A million dollars, no. you do the whole things. I'm pretty sure that you do matching funds, and you could even cut cut that to five hundred thousand so, by having the business. I, gar- I guarantee you, after a few drinks, there'll be a five-foot ten dancing elf. Yeah. Down there. You'd, have, you'd have money left over to do a rocket line. That's that's genuinely one of my favorite <laughs> clips uh, that we're going to hear, um, and it's it's not just because. Um, the the impetus for it was um, was uh, having a bit of fun, making a bit of mischief, but also um, you know the uh, there's so many uh, I think attributes of of Mark's character that that come through in that clip. Uh, he was not just a person who talked about problems. Uh, he was a person who proposed solutions, who implemented solutions, who argued passionately that those solutions would work, um, and. Uh, um, who invested uh, a couple of grand of his own money mm-hmm. to make a joke. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> For real. Yeah. To drive a joke, the point of a joke home. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, Don, now that we've come out the other side of that, that clip, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that as a practical joke? Well, no, that's 
perfect, if you ask me. Uh, I do remember whenever something, the city would do something stupid like this, my own opinion. Uh, Mark and I, we'd, even before the show, just the five minutes we get here, we'd be doing a lot of math. What else could we do with that money that makes a lot more sense? And I actually, I'd kind of forgotten about that clip until you displayed it because we he had done that with those Christmas lights out in front of Snack Barbecue. And uh, we were discussing that. We're doing math. You know, we can do all of downtown. We can do this here, this here for half the money that these idiots are spending down at Jackson Park. So, so. And, and, you know, I, I know Mark, obviously, from the show, but also we've had some real estate dealings. And it was nice to see some of the real estate people there, Mark Kalolovich and uh, John showed up, too. Mm-hmm. Uh so it was uh, John Eshack, by the way. Uh, so we're kind of numbers people. So whenever wasteful spending, in our opinion, came out, it was always fun that we could sit there and try to figure out the math. I'll be doing a lot less math on this show, which would be good, uh, <laughs> and see what else we could come up with to do that money. Because, I mean, the running joke, we used the Christmas lights for about six months as to, well, we could have this or we could have more Christmas lights. It's good we material. Always, always did the math, right? So. Yeah, it was it was excellent material. We're not done hearing about the Christmas lights from. Uh, oh, are you kidding? From, uh, the election <laughs> campaign is just starting. Yeah, uh, the next um, the next couple of clips, and uh, maybe we can run these together. Even though it's not, it doesn't sound wonderful, and they uh, they run together, but that's okay. You're doing a fine job over there, sir. Thank you. The I do Absolutely. have a mic, even so, though it was not introduced. Welcome. You're the stepchild. Welcome, welcome. Sarah Morris. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've been here the whole time. Welcome. <laughs> uh, these these next two clips, I think, are a different aspect of Mark's character and reflect um, something that uh, I, I personally um, really found um, quite inspiring, and that was um, Mark's willingness to engage and his personal courage um, and uh, also his sense of justice. So these two clips are, the first clip is uh, Mark talking about the um, the board uh, that was assembled to review city councilor compensation. Um, and uh, he kind of morphs into a discussion about the mega hospital because, of course, um, the CEO, uh, uh, David Mouget, is one of the members of that uh, board. Um, and then the second clip is um, in the context of the announcement last winter that um, the hospital project had moved to stage two. And again, Mark's sense of injustice um, that, uh, that perhaps the debate had not been, um, that had, had not been framed adequately compensation board for city council to to solve this problem mark what do you think uh, okay number one how long is this compensation board gonna sit as a guest three to six months maybe no idea. well so uh, the way Lucy says is anybody who has a matter before council well there, i think there's a lot of people that can go six months without having a matter before council so it's not that it doesn't lessen the pool by that much you know I, i've been before council dozens of times and i've gone you know five years without going before council so um so that's number one number two um, because there's no personal gain, he usage may win this case and that. However, if you look at it, doesn't pass a smell test because how many reprisals has he gone against anybody who has voiced their opinion against uh, that mega hospital? Moosage always has a pattern of acting out very harshly, very quickly, very fast, just like Dave Cook has. And so you know that like he's got a demonstrated history of, of, of acting out against people who go, and also separately, People that are, there, there's a significant amount of people that are against the mega hospital location, right? They're, do you see any of them on any significant committee? They can't all, you know, if you're, if you're against this mega hospital location, 
you're done. You're 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 not on any committee. You're not on anything. You you've I've have uh, architects who who've told me that the mayor has told developers to not use them because they're against the mega hospital location. I mean, this is it's it's if you're you are black sheep in this city if you are against that mega hospital location. So you know what it doesn't you know maybe he gets off because he doesn't personally gain from this, but. This whole being against the mega hospital location, you're, you are an outsider in the city. I, I, I take your point, Mark. And now you were a, um, I don't want to say you were a camper, but you were a pretty vocal opponent of this hospital yeah. build. So you're, you're throwing in the towel? Um, no, but, but I have a different take on this. As, as normally. Number one, um, you know, how many times can you announce the same thing? So this announcement is we're really, really, really going to build the hospital as opposed to we're really, really going to build the hospital. We are super ready. So yeah. many more reallys are involved here. However, what came to light to me then the last couple months was an issue that, you know, when you talk about the Gray site and things like that, there was an issue that, that that's before that that was never debated because we assumed the province, we, just, we made some assumptions. And this, this, this issue is more important than anything. It, it's based, everything is based on this decision, and it was never debated. And what it is is, is the issue of one hospital versus two. And a city versus county, I understand all the county's concerns because when you talk about one of the things that's really ridiculous that's come to light is, is the flooding cuts off the county from the city. The flooding cuts off Howard, Google, and here in line from the city. But that's bad for both sides. So people jumped on that saying that's bad for the city. Well, that's also, if you put the hospital in the city, that then, then makes it bad for the county. So why isn't there two hospitals? We've always assumed that was something that the province said that we only need one hospital. I, from what I've heard is that's not the case. That one the single hospital was chosen by Windsor, not by the province. If that's the truth, then this whole debate should not have been about location. It should have been the benefits of one hospital versus two. If you made this about the debate of one hospital versus two, even myself as a camper might have come to a different conclusion. And I can see if you, if the debate was one hospital versus two, I would have understood that with one hospital, we could get this much better high-end equipment than if we had to split it between two hospitals. That should have been the issue. We're debating the wrong things. And this is, this is, this whole, I, to me, it's turned everything on its head for me. Well, that's an interesting perspective. I, I think that the, the trend provincially is two larger facilities, and the issue is But that, didn't you just assume that's what the province wanted? Well, uh, To find out that it was driven from the city and the, not the province? The thing is that um, you see these, this is the size of facility that's being built across Ontario. I mm -hmm. take your point, but um, the problem, I think, is that uh, Windsor Essex just doesn't have the population yeah. to justify multiple but, hospitals. But it, it does have that. It does have the, the separation that, that the county is so separated from the city more than others. More, like when you talk about London and St. Thomas and Waterloo, Essex thing, they're working as a region. They're making those connections. Windsor and Essex County is the only. A jurisdiction in Ontario that is proud of their separations and is proud of not working together. Well, part, we, part of it though is so I think that justifies two hospitals more than any other region. I, I okay, uh, so 
there, there's a couple things about those clips um, that I want to talk about. Who wants to chime in on the... Uh, well, I'll chime in. You were yeah. very interrupting in that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrible to, to have to do that, you right? You don't want to get yeah. close to his mouth when he's going. Yeah. He might actually bite you <laughs> or his hands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Um, but on the, uh, uh, on the substance, um, the, the issue of the new hospital and the, the proposed new hospital was something that was um, Mark was incredibly passionate about, and he was one of the few voices in the community um, from the very beginning, especially when you think about prominent folks in the community who were um, who were prepared to um, to take a stand like he did. And, and uh, um, if we're going to talk about be like Mark and um, mm-hmm. hashtag be like Mark, I think one of the things that I would love to see a lot more of in this town is political courage. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I have a couple of comments on this one. Um, and that is, I think the, the two clips are uh, very different. The first clip is uh, incredibly powerful statement. Um, and I think you used the word courage, and I really think that's true. Um, you know, to be able to really speak um, to what a lot of people think goes on in this town, and that is that if you're on the wrong side of an issue, you're going to get blacklisted. You're not going to get put on boards. They're going to uh, try to impact your employment. Uh, and you know what? I, and, and these are, uh, you know, we can hide behind this dirty little secret, And Mark was all out there on that one. Um, That's pretty incredible. The uh, second clip, uh, what I I have to comment, I don't want to comment on the the, uh, substance of it. Actually, I'm not really even sure if I agree that, you know, he wanted to reframe the issue of whether we should, Mm -hmm. first of all, debate the two hospitals or not. And I actually don't, you know, necessarily know if I agree with him on that, which is why I love to argue with him. But I will say this, um, you know, at no point would anybody here... Uh, take a look at probably the single uh, organization that has self-declared itself as opposition to the hospital plan, that being the camp organization. I'm going to say this respectfully without the tweets coming out and whatever before I say it, and I'm just going to be right and bold about it, Um, that you can have a very nuanced opinion about what is happening in this community about certain issues where it is not. And sometimes I think some of the special interest groups, not necessarily just that one, we fall and we actually fall into the same trap that we accuse those in power of doing. And that is that you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. And at no time have I ever heard Mark being called a camper. Has anybody ever heard Mark being called a camper? No. No. And yet... Mark was anti-mega hospital. Isn't that really interesting? Um, I, and I, it refers it back to one of the earlier um, clips that we, we did as well. Mark was not pinned down. Mark could not be labeled. Mark was his own individual. Um, this goes back to even the comments that we made about um, being political. At no point, we get labeled as partisans all the time. I can't walk around without there being some kind of broad stroke liberal. It says it all whatever and mark was a liberal i don't remember him being called a snowflake you know and so um you know anyway i you know the point that i think i'm trying to make in in those two statements is one he had an incredible amount of courage he was able to put it out there and secondly he could not be pinned down and labeled he was mark boscario i think i think if we're going to talk about the hospital we have to understand that bill maher is sitting right over there (laughs) so you know so um what I want to chime in on, on in those two clips in particular, substance of them aside, what they are classic examples of are Mark Boscariel on fire. Right. Mark 
pouring it just it, all of it just pouring out of him on air for everybody to hear yes there's the courage piece but it, it, it's when he when he really got rolling on an issue and he was feeling it in his gut um it was amazing to listen to and incredible to watch and it was incredible to have the opportunity to to interact with that um i'm gonna miss that i'm gonna so, miss that the yeah. most uh that that's my relationship with mark is sitting at this table and having that discussion agree with him not agree with him but feeling that as powerfully as you can uh, any discussion that you could have with a human uh, with another human being uh he was as as much as he was involved in 10 15 different conversations or different things going on at the same time if you were in on an issue like that with him and how many times has it happened at this table it was deep. It was the deepest conversation that you were going to have that day, that week, that month. Uh, and it was insightful. It was, uh, in some, in some instances, enraging in other <laughs> instances, uplifting. It was all of those things all at once. And those two, th- those two clips, I think are really perfect examples of but what they're also, got also emblematic of, of, I mean, it is politics. I mean, in some ways, how many people have often said, Mark, why don't you run? Why don't you run for council? Mm-hmm. Why don't you run for mayor? I mean, man, Mark often said, you know, I can do more from the outside than I can do from the inside. Uh, but, but I know he often said to me, sometimes jokingly and sometimes very seriously, and he goes, you know, if I ever did run, I'd want to run in my own ward. And he goes, the problem is, he goes, in my own ward, they want to tire and feather me and arrive me out of town <laughs> on a rail. Right. He goes, they don't agree with anything mm-hmm. I say, I do. He goes, I'm anti-sprawl, and I live in a sprawl neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in a lot of ways, he, he said it jokingly, but he actually did say, I mean, amongst his own colleagues and, and friends and neighbors, he got an immense amount of pushback for the opinions that he had. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes, we didn't, know, we didn't see it, we didn't hear it. But he took a lot of heat from a lot of different avenues. How many, how many um, boycott campaigns were organized against various restaurants of his because <laughs> of something he said or did yeah. on the show, on, on Facebook, mm-hmm. on, on Twitter? And you know what? It, on the Winter I mean, Star comment thread? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it pained him, but it never stopped him. And he, like, he'd grimace and he'd find a new promotion to overcome the boycott. But mm-hmm. I mean, it amazed me that. I mean, and, and that was him. I personally started three of those boycotts. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Morris, uh, we haven't heard too much from you tonight about uh, Mark. Better seen, not heard. Uh, um. So why, why don't you um, maybe share some thoughts about uh, doing the show with Mark? Sure. Um, so, like most people in Windsor, I've, I know Mark from a lot of different ways, and still it's weird to say no and not new. Um, Mark on the show was someone who had an experience with every topic. He had, uh, you know, he had a story with it, he had an opinion. So, no matter what we were talking about that week, we could count on Mark being there and knowing what he was going to talk about. So, um, definitely going to miss him. Going to miss someone who got his hands dirty and actually, like the Christmas lights. That's someone, you know, most of us, we just talk. He's someone who will actually do something. And that gets you a shout out by the mayor sometimes. And uh, But most of the time that gets you, that gets you known. And, and uh, as we've been remembering Mark throughout the community, we've seen all of those people that he's touched. And all the people and businesses, organizations, um, projects, festivals that he's been a part of because he was someone who didn't just talk every week on RCP, but t- 
took all of those ideas and put them into action. Absolutely. Uh, so I think that's a great note for us to, um, to end this segment on. Um, we're going to go and play a clip of Mark uh, talking about some of those qualities that, um, that Kieran brought up and, and that others around the table brought up. I think this is a, a really a consummate um, tour de force of Mark's political commentary uh, talking about the proposed distillery district in Walkerville. <laughs> oh, so why don't you play that clip and we'll reconfigure the panel and come back. Are you going to sit and take two seconds for production values? This architect that keeps getting all these rendering, artists rendering things from the mayor's office and that this is untendered work. I'm sure he's a fine architect. And they are. I mean, I'm sure they're great. Well, no, because I saw the pictures and I really had a problem with them. (laughs) Mark's a real art critic, guys. They asked me um, on radio this morning, asked me, what was the uh, thing you liked the most about this presentation? And I said, the thing I like the most about the mayor's presentation is that none of the drawings that he proposed would be imposed on the people, that we would be allowed to come up with better ones because if I see another pedestrian bridge over Riverside Drive that's not needed, mm-hmm. it's just that that's what makes you cynical when you see stuff like that that he knows you don't want. Doesn't it bother so, anybody that, I mean, we've had 8 million discussions on this show how the lower end neighborhoods get screwed constantly mm-hmm. and the mayor's talking about 4 or $5 million for districting. The first place he goes to is the most successful neighborhood in Windsor. Why not do all this pre-work with architects for Sandwich Town or Remington Park or Drew Art. Why, why is it, the, you know, the low-hanging fruit is Walkerville. Look, I don't want to be, I'm not known as a defender of the mayor, but I can tell you, his, I know his reasoning behind it, okay? Because he and gets one votes of there? Is, is, number one, the distillery. Well, he wanted, a, he wanted a guaranteed success. So doing something in Walkerville that's already successful, it can't fail. So anything yeah, you I think do that's there that's is going to be... That's my point. Yeah. Right. Do something that one. actually helps the, people. Number two is... The, the distillery itself. So from what I understand is this is, and I've only got this from here, say this is very <laughs> driven by the distillery because we have North America's largest distillery and we don't promote and talk about it. And I believe that they're, they're driving this and maybe um, offering matching. I don't know that they are offering matching funds, but there may be some allure of that. The problem is, is, now, that cynic in me, if I wanted to be cynical, I could be all day long, that there actually is only enough money to come up with the plan by coincidentally October 22nd. So all we're going to get from this districting exercise is a plan, some elements agreed on, and the area and the name and the logo. And that's what's going to be done by October 22nd, at which time the money for districting runs out and the election takes place. But you know what? I bet if you did... If he put in the same kind of work and the city put in the same kind of work for Sandwich Town, mm-hmm. the well, people would be so excited about it that it may actually happen. And no, one, It's not going to happen in Walkerville because Walkerville doesn't need this. This money for branding happens to be the exact amount it would cost to complete the five CIPs and fully fund and implement them. So now we're going to so have why CIPs he... that are not funded, not implemented, that are going to be shelved so that we can create brands and logos and again, it's just it's, it's yeah, just window in, in, dressing in the wealthier neighborhoods of the city. Why don't we just build another he, arena in South he, Windsor? He does have the, one of the big ones that's on his list is the Asian Village, um, Asian, town. Asian Town. Asian um, Town. I, I think he's sticking with Asian Village. Um, the no, one thing that um, 
Uh, that yeah, the cynic. I mean, these people can't even get together and agree on a BIA, which would only cost them 100 bucks a year per business. They you don't have to go two percent surtax. You can actually go lower amount. They don't even have a residential association, so they can't get together on these basic things. And that you're going to come down. And what I most fear is they're going to impose and drop this district yeah. and the elements <laughs> and the design on the community, and it's not going to be done. Well, exactly. Like well, and this how was there any community consultation on? what the residents of Walkerville wanted? No, and actually they're already rebelling. But now, again, from the mayor's defense, he's saying that this was my way of starting the conversation, that I'm, I'm throwing out these ideas for now for you to have that input. But it sure didn't sound like that. And welcome back to Rose City Politics. Um, the uh, the panel has completely changed around me, uh, but but that's okay. Uh, so so joining us now is um, are some folks uh, from uh, current and former members of the local media who've had opportunities to interact with Mark. We have. Uh, why don't you folks introduce yourselves and your and your media <laughs> outlets so I don't get anything wrong? It's uh, I'm Adele Loisel. I'm with BlackburnNews.com. Welcome. Uh, I'm Don MacArthur. Uh, used to work for the Windsor Star and uh, CBC Windsor as well. Okay, you got to get a vote done in there. Uh, so let's just take that note for next time. Hi, Ann Jarvis at the Windsor Star. And Rich Garten from CTV Windsor. Thank you all for joining us tonight um, to to talk about this extraordinary individual in our community. And uh, um, I'm going to start with you, Adele, and, and just ask you, um, what was it like to cover Mark? <laughs> I loved Mark because, you know, we've talked a lot tonight about how he could be very opinionated and out there. He was colorful. He was funny. And it was good that he had opinions. His his love for this city was, ex- he wore it on his sleeve. It was very apparent. I've heard a lot, you know, over the last uh, week or so, people saying, you know, who's going to fill his shoes? And what I propose to you is that nobody can. But, you know, I love the hashtag be like Mark. Because I think if everybody were to do a little bit, you know, that would be a fantastic way to honor him and to maybe fill that vacuum that he has left. And I know that he's left a big vacuum, not just in the community, but among his friends. And he had fantastic friends. And he loved them very much. And I think you guys loved him very much, too. Absolutely right on every count. And I think you're I think it's really um, insightful to say that there's no there's no one person who's going to jump in and fill those shoes. And it's it's uh, an opportunity for every single person in this community who cares to show what they're made of and and try to be like Mark in one way or another. Um, Don, what was it like for you to work with and encounter Mark Buscariel? Well, it was an adventure. You know, um, we've heard him called the, the Tasmanian Devil. Uh, and today she wrote a great column, you know, called him the ultimate uh, citizen, uh, you know, from Windsor. That's all true. But a lot of times when you're, you know, you're interviewing politicians or spokespeople, they're, they're very careful. You know, they don't want to ruffle feathers. They don't want to make waves. <laughs> you know, he was the opposite, right? So, you know, that's a lot of fun. You know, as, as a journalist, uh, you know, we call him quote machines. Uh, he was definitely a quote machine. And, uh, you know, he engaged in the comment section of, of the Windsor Star pretty vociferously and, and, and long before that. You know, maybe we can get to it later, but he was a he was a, a prodigious letter writer uh, in the Windsor Star as well, and he and he kind of didn't take any prisoners uh, there either. So definitely a lot of fun to cover, and he always had something to say. Is there a particular story that that jumps out at you? I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there a particular uh, incident that you remember well? Um, 
well, I, I do remember once uh, a long time ago getting in some sort of brouhaha with him at the, uh, what was it called, uh, Next to the Honest Lawyer. Uh, there was, uh, it was back when he ran, uh, there was a flying monkey, and the, every day I would go there for a tuna fish sandwich. And, um, but anyway, but it was, just, it was just a very sort of passionate, sort of invigorating debate we had about, about downtown, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I guess the story I'd like to share is, is, is kind of a more of a personal one. And um, when you lose your job, like, your phone doesn't ring off the hook. Um, if anyone's ever been there, it's not a lot of fun. And uh, when it happened to me, uh, Mark phoned. And uh, Paul today, he talked about how Mark helped build his dream. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, he came to me. Mark had a dream about uh, building sort of a, a hyper-local news site. And he came to me and said, what do you think about this idea? And like I said, my phone's not ringing off the hook, so I said, well, I can meet you now. You know what I mean? And, and so the next day, we sort of met at, uh, you know, at a Tim Hortons, and, and we talked it out, and just full of verve and energy and passion and ideas. We can scale this. We can take it to other communities. We can work with Paul. Uh, we can do all these good things. Um, and it really invigorated me. It gave me some confidence. It made me feel real, real good. Um, ultimately, you know, nothing became of it. Uh, news is a, is a tough business, and I honestly didn't think I had it in me at the time, but uh, it was a great kindness uh, he did to me, and, and, and that I will never forget. That, that, um, that, I think, is one of the defining elements of the character of Mark Buscariel is kindness. Um, that's something that I, I think when you, when you hear people um, talk about him over and over and over again, it's the, the attribute that comes through is his kindness. That's the one piece of the elephant that everybody touched. Um, Rich, how about you? Have you got a Mark Buscariel story to share? I do. Uh, I have a personal story and a media story, if you'll allow me the time. Sure. Um, from, from a media perspective, he just, we listened to a few of the clips just now, and I don't think he took a breath in between any words. <laughs> and no. that's just the way he always was, whether you're interviewing him. And, you know, you'd get on site, and whether it was, uh, you know, someone who had vandalized his, uh, his beautiful Christmas light display, or someone who smashed his front window for a bottle of cheap vodka... Uh, which he had to laugh about afterwards, uh, he would start talking. And it's like, no, no, Mark, my camera's not on yet. Like, just give me, <laughs> give me a minute here. And you'd set it up, and you'd mic him up, and he'd go on. And if you didn't stop him, he'd talk for half an hour. And all of a sudden, you have to go back to the station and get another tape because you don't have any left. And, you know, he just would go and go. And somewhere in there, you'd find the golden nugget, the clip. Uh, and, and the other thing about Mark is that uh, to steal a line from him, he was a self-professed media whore. <laughs> His phone rang. Someone in the media, he'd answer it. Okay, uh, when do you want to meet? Uh, five minutes? Okay, make it three. I'll be there in three minutes. And, he, and you know, he wasn't kidding. He'd bring, and he'd bring his son with him everywhere he went. I don't think they ever paid for a babysitter. I think he brought his son with him everywhere he went. Uh, almost every interview I did with Mark, his son was there with him. So he had to be kind of guarded. Um, and that... <laughs> And that actually segues into the other story, the more personal one. Uh, I knew Mark on a different level because uh, our kids go to school together. Now, his son is older. Uh, my kids are a bit younger. Um, but And some of you around the table have probably heard the story of the robotics uh, club that he started. And that's at the school that my kids go to. And for years, they will be set up because of him and his passion to give that to his son and to that small school community that was something uh um, mark's love uh for his son andreas is something that um we've talked about again and again and those of us who are uh, sarah morris and as as well as myself those of us who are involved in hackforge um 
uh, everything that he did with us and everything he did um, with that organization and to support that organization was ultimately out of love for his son uh, and to um, to support the passions that that Andreas had and the interests that he had and uh, um, uh, in fact, I seem to recall spending a day at a chess tournament uh, yeah, with you, Yeah, we did. <laughs> when he brought the chess tournament to Windsor, uh, he wanted all of his favorite things all there. He wanted to make sure that um, we had our 3D printer, we were, we were doing things with Hackforge there. So it was, it was always um, so invigorating to see Mark passionate about something, not for himself, but like you said, for his son. And it is hard to talk about um, something so personal with him. But uh, if you look and you look at the list of things that he loved, um, it was because he wanted a better future for his son and he wanted a better city for his son. Absolutely. Um, Anne, I've been holding off on you because we actually have a <laughs> clip from a previous appearance that you had on this show um, and uh, an encounter that you had with Mark on the show. Uh, so um, I'd like to play that and then uh, maybe we can have a little bit of a conversation about it. One second. Yeah, whenever you're ready, Sarah. <laughs> Maximum production values. Yeah. Keep going. Just hang on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> He's not labeled. This is where this is where we miss Mark Buscariel because yeah. there would never be dead air if uh, if he was in the room. There we go. Is it four? Okay. Okay, hang on. Here we okay. go. Okay. All right. Ready? compensation board for city council to to solve this problem mark what do you think uh, okay number one how long is this compensation board gonna sit as a guest three to six months maybe no idea. well so uh, the way moosey says is anybody who has a matter before council well there, i think there's a lot of people that can go six months without having a matter before council so it's not that it doesn't lessen the pool by that much you know I, i've been before council dozens of times and i've gone you know five years without going before council so um so that's number one number two um, because there's no personal gain, heat usage may win this case and that. However, if you look at it, doesn't pass a smell test because how many reprisals has he gone against anybody who has voiced their opinion against uh, that mega hospital? Moosage has always has a pattern of acting out very harshly, very quickly, very fast, just like Dave Cook has. And so you know that like, you've got to... The biggest thing that I came away with was not, you know, sort of like clarification of, of his planning principles, it was a negative connotation. It was a, wow, he's thin-skinned, he's, uh, there's a bit of a nasty streak in that, uh, in that post that was very unfair to his colleagues, and it was very unfair to politicians in general. I mean, not, politician is not necessarily a, a, bad, a bad work. I mean, you know, people on that council, they put a tremendous amount of work into that job. And, uh, you know, I know counselors, more than one, that are, you know, they're very earnest in what they do, and they put huge hours into it, and they try and do it for the right thing. And, you know, maybe not every reason was the right reason for the approval last night, but who cares? Because in the end, what happened should, what should have happened did happen, and that is that people were listened to and, and got what they wanted. I got a just one disagreement on part of what you said is is if, if Chris did, did thing I think we need to put things in perspective. I mean, you're saying that you know a lot of counselors that put a lot on a job. If he's a bad communicator, what does that make Councillor Payne? What does that make Councillor Sleeman? What does that make Councillor Borelli? These are people who I don't think put a lot of work into their job. You got Councillor Payne saying that more bike lanes is going to lead to more car congestion. 
You have you have Councillor Borelli talking about riding his bike on a sidewalk. You've got Councillor Sleeman. I don't know what he's talking about anyway. I, I mean, so I don't think there's a lot of councillors that put a lot of work in these jobs. I think if Chris made a mistake, you, you put that in perspective. Some of these other councillors, you call thin skin. I call it wearing principle. his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know? yeah, I mean, when when other councillors have made mistakes, we call them out as well. Yes. And we're not talking about them tonight. We're talking about this vote and this council. Yeah. Right. John, Fair enough, I know, but let's I know keep it in perspective. Be... Well, no, and that's a good point. I mean, we, I don't want to be the apologist for Councillor Holt because that's just weird. But <laughs> <laughs> why isn't anyone asking, why didn't Councillor Elliott say, hey, why can't this be in my ward because my ward's been screwed over for the last two decades? Why can't you put this, we've closed the community centers on yeah. that, this end of town. Why, why isn't anyone going after some <laughs> All right, and welcome back. Uh, okay, um, so do you recall that conversation, Anne? It's coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I wanted to play that clip because I think it's, um, it's really uh, highlights one of, one of Mark's many positive attributes, which is his willingness to stick up for his friends. Um, and he was always ready to do that. But the reason I wanted to ask you about that clip is I'm sure that you've had many, many, many conversations with Mark over the years. And um, what was he like as, a, as an interview subject, as a debate uh, partner? Well, I remember from that night now, it was a pretty vigorous debate. And, uh, but I remember it felt good, though. It felt good to have a really good debate about something that was important to, to the community. Um, and uh, that was probably the biggest debate we, we got in. What I liked about Mark was he provided me with, you know, everything you want as a, as a columnist. He was authentic, he was innovative, and he had a lot of guts. I mean, you know, he opened that, that restaurant, Snack Barbecue, on the bleakest stretch of Chatham Street, where nobody else was, was venturing at the time. What a great thing that was for the city to have someone go and open a, a quality establishment. It was a good, it's a good restaurant, it's good food, uh, on, a, on a street that somebody, where somebody had to make the first move. And he did. And when several other restaurants moved on into that block later on, um, he didn't compete with them. Instead, he rallied with those other restaurants to form what he, he called a, a lunch destination. I think he called it a sandwich district or something. Um, so, I mean, how many people are there that that take that kind of risk with a with a venture like that, you know, a new business um, on, on a street like that? But yet, you know, I think the the city really owes people who do that kind of thing. So that's what I liked about about Mark. He was willing to do that kind of thing, and I think he deserved a lot of credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyone else on the media panel want to weigh in before we go to another clip? There's just a lot to say about him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I can remember one, this is kind of a personal story, and, and it was kind of at home, and I was watching Mark Boscariel on Facebook and uh, going through the Windsor Star comments and so on, and just fascinated by, <laughs> you know, again, we talk a lot about the bravery, but he didn't hold back. And I was talking to my husband about it, and I was saying, like, he's got so many opinions, and he's so not afraid to say anything. And Sean says, he sounds like an a-hole. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but he's my kind of a-hole. I really like it. He was always so thoughtful, you know, and, and just not afraid to just put it out there. 
And I really respected that because like Anne says, it's, it's rare to interview somebody who is so authentic and so, you know, just unabashedly themselves. And, and we were, we're, we're blessed for that. Yeah. And he didn't pull this stuff out of a hat. No, either. he knew what he was talking about. Oh, yeah. He read about what other cities were doing. He, he talked to people. He listened to them. He, um, I used an example today. When he made the proposal for the Plister Street parking garage, that was in large part based on the Z garage in Detroit. So he knew what was happening in cities that were successful. And he wanted to emulate that. He wanted to try it here. He was very progressive that way. And, and it's what Windsor needed. What was Still he like needs. when he was the chair of the BIA? I wasn't around then. Was he... <laughs> <laughs> well, today, sort of knowing I was you know, going to come on the show tonight, I kind of dipped through the archives, and that's when I saw these letters uh, that I had, he had written. And for sure, uh, back when he was chair of the BIA, he was one of the first people to champion uh, a, a campus downtown. You know, like when the Cleary was that white elephant, you know, like couldn't find any bathrooms, you know, all of this, that, uh, you know, champion for a, a campus downtown. Um, and one of the things I just wanted to, I, I tracked down a letter from 2002, right? I don't even think I had a cell phone in 2002, right? This was the dark ages. And um, he, he wrote a letter, and I, I guess somebody had written a letter to the star saying, look, you know, politicians are bums, let's, let's, you know, all get out of the system. And so he wrote back and he said, uh, this letter should not have been noted as letter of the day, but a worse letter of the year. <laughs> the writer completely misses the point. Withdrawing from the political process because you don't like what's happening is the complete opposite of what you should do. I, too, was disenchanted years ago, but instead of simply whining, I got involved. I learned about the system and started meeting the candidates. I met and supported some people who felt had integrity and could help solve the problems government faces at all levels. Sure, there are still problems in government, but in my own small way, I'm working to solve them. And he never stopped. That was 2002. He was the ultimate citizen. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And, and on that note, um, we're going to go to a clip of um, Mark. Uh, this is from a show, and I believe this was the show after um, we, uh, we found out that uh, Councillor Mara would be um, retiring as a councillor after this, after this term. Um, and so Mark uh, remembered, this is an extended clip of Mark uh, talking about Bill, and, and during the, uh, the clip we'll transition to the next group of folks uh, who are going to join us around the table, and that's the politicians. Three with Bill Maher. So I don't. I'm not. A, I don't want to monopolize. This I, show. I, I understand, but I, I still want you to tell that history because I think it's. I think it's fascinating. I think people would really love to hear that. Well, well, in um, a friend of mine named Tom Kashak, who was friends TK. With, TK TK was friends <laughs> with Bill Maher and mutual friends. He says, Mark, I want to bring you to this guy. I want to introduce you. I worked on his council campaign to get him elected. He's going for council for his second election before mayor. I want you to meet him. We had so much fun working on a campaign. You got you to do this. So Bill was the person that introduced me to politics to begin with. And I worked on his municipal campaign. And then it was Bill that introduced me to uh, Richard Pollock and the Liberal Party because Bill was a liberal. And, um, and from Bill, uh, from, I met Richard. I met Pat Papadeus. I met uh, Debbie Croucher, who I then hired on as my assistant to start the Windsor International Film Festival. Um, then we went from there to uh, I became uh, Windsor West Federal Liberal Riding Association president. How f- far they've come from now at that time <laughs> with uh, the current the leadership uh, from that. Uh, and, and, you know, and and it was working with Bill. I had so many great experience. I worked on Bill's uh, mayor's campaign. I'd like to think I was one of his largest supporters. I was 
banned from the campaign office because I didn't agree with his campaign team. But I was still one of his biggest you supporters. You were leader of the opposition in the campaign. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> That's not a good person to be, actually. I'll just put that yeah, out there. I, I was, you work on the outside, Dale. Stop, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, just go get some money. Yeah, well, <laughs> and at the time, my, my complaint was that Councillor Francis at the time, all his campaign literature, he spoke and he wrote in bullet points, whereas Bill... And it, it's uh, to his fault. Um, he gives thoughtful answers, yeah. but they're wrong on sentences. So I'm like, Bill, you're losing people. They want to read bullet points. They're business people like me. No one's got time to hear the whole story. And Bill's trying to explain everything, and he's trying to be, give a thoughtful answer. And it just it did work against him at sure. the time. And I had to be – I did research. I researched um, – uh, the smart, what is the city? Um, uh, they then found out that it was fake, and and I had to go research all these conspiracy theories about Mayor, you know, Mayor Francis. Were, were all bullshit. <laughs> meeting was, with these different things. Ridiculous. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> but, but that that started the ball there. So had there no been Bill, no Windsor Film Festival, no, no, all these different things would have not have come from that. And it was really, really interesting. And and to, even almost recently, um, when we talked about the Auditor General, I was a big supporter of that, right? Yeah. And it wasn't just about Borelli flipping on that promise in War 10. <laughs> it was about him cutting in front of Councillor Mara, who deservedly and, and procedurally should have made the motion. Yeah. So he, he used a, what, what he did was wrong. And, and to watch Bill's reaction, and then to later that night get a call from uh, Tashuba, who said, he goes, you're Bill's agent, aren't you? And I'm like, no, I'm Bill's friend. Agent. He goes, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, what do you, he goes, are you Borelli's agent? I go, what kind of commission do you get? <laughs> I go. You get ten percent, twenty percent as agent manager, oh, and um, and uh, I go. I'm not Bill's. I'm not Bill's agent. I don't speak for him. We had at that point in time. Bill was so busy that I had my one cop of copy a year. Yeah. Bill, Bill gave me one thing. Um, uh, I hired his son on as an assistant last year, and I didn't do that for Bill. That was a gift from Bill to me. And to see the son that he raised, what an amazing young man this guy is. I just it, again another tribute to what an amazing father. Bill was. Um, with Bill, I, people ask me a lot of times, why don't you run for council? Why don't you run for something like that? Mm. A lot of the part is because of Bill. And you know why? I, I'm not the man he, I, that he is. And when I did manufacturing first company and Windsor-Essex County at QS 9000, I said 9000, and we did, I did some amazing things. When I did Bedroom Depot, largest independent furniture store in Canada, when I did the restaurants, I like to think I have the best restaurant in Windsor right now. I want to be the best at something. And when I saw council, like when Trump. I saw Bill Morrow, I, I can't beat him. And if you want to be the best... You have to be like Councilor Mara. Well, and he's the mayor that Windsor deserved. Now, think about last point really quickly. When Mayor Francis, I'm to, this, to his credit, when we started the film festival, he attended the first year's premiere. He supported. The city gave us support. We all went to council. We got support. We did that. Do you think that would happen today with Mayor Dilkins and me going before council? That, and, and with the Mayor Dilkins? No. Yeah. There's a Mayor Dilkins instead of a – Bill Mara will always be to me the mayor that Windsor deserved – and Windsor should have had, and had he, had Mayor Dilk, our current mayor, been mayor when film festival again, there would be no film festival. Okay, are we good? Yes. Okay, so um, this is now the politicians panel. Uh, I'm Kieran. I've taken over the hosting duties for Doug Sartori. Uh, going around the table to my left, we have Bill Mara, who I'm going to go to first. Um, give you a chance to collect your thoughts around what we all just heard a pretty powerful uh a lot of powerful things have been said tonight uh that certainly was uh was was that clip was certainly one of them uh across the table from me reno bordelin uh as well uh don MacArthur, who in addition to being a former member of the media is now uh, like myself an aspiring uh politician 
running in out in Amherstburg uh, for one of the council seats. Uh, we have we also have a former councillor uh, standing around the table in Al Magni. Uh, people will remember Al's about six eight six nine, so his head's <laughs> right up against the ceiling right now. But he'll join. He'll be joining in, in the conversation as well, uh, as well as Pat Papadeus. So. Um, we heard some pretty amazing things said about uh, uh, soon-to-be-retired Councillor Mara uh, about your time on council and the work that you did as a councillor. We all have experiences with Mark Boscariel as because uh, Mark was a planner. He was always wanting to do something. Uh, and for those of us who were working on projects with him, if you were elected, he was... He had some ideas about things that, you should, that he was hoping that we could do or that he could do with you together. Um, uh, but in his comments there, Bill, he was just talking about the idea of being elected and the standard and the type of human being it takes to be elected. Um, I think we all, we all agree. I think Mark would be a hell of an elected official. Um, but uh, uh, maybe I'll just ask you to reflect on what we just heard there. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh I haven't heard that since the original airing. So, you know, Mark uh, uh, Mark was an incredibly special person. Mm -hmm. I met him through politics, and uh, immediately I realized um, what a what a privilege it was for me to meet this man who enriched my life, not on a political level at all, Kieran. Mm -hmm. It was on a personal level. I learned so much from him, and uh, I met him around the time that the Bedroom Depot stores were evolving, and, and uh, I learned quite a bit from him as far as what the private sector community expected from elected officials. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you're going to learn this soon, my friend, uh, uh, and Don, hopefully yourself as well. Uh, being an elected uh, official, municipal, provincial, or federal level, but from a municipal level, it's really not complicated at all. Um, be a good listener, engage the community, and truly um, represent the values that are important around progressing our community in a forward fashion. It's very simple. And uh, I think we kind of lost our way over the last few years for mm -hmm. whatever reason. And I know that that's what the show is not about tonight, but that's what I learned from Mark. And uh, I, I, um, you know, I, I miss him as much as all of you do. Um, but as we said today uh, with my friend Pat Papadeus, um, we'll, we'll um, take some time to mourn the loss and, and deal with what it is that happened. But, my God, we can't uh, just sit back uh, anymore. Um, mm -hmm. We can't fill his set of shoes with one pair of feet. It's going to take uh, many. However, collectively, I think we have a duty and a responsibility to move forward in such a fashion that we can continue the mandate that that man uh, was convicted by. And, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with what I heard earlier. I think it was a session or two ago where he talked about why he wasn't wanting to pursue elected office. He said that, you know, he felt he could do more outside of politics. Um, so as much as the word retirement is being uh, labeled upon my transition out mm -hmm. of politics, uh, I'm certainly not done. I want to work with people like yourself and, and the many individuals around this room to bring our community forward, and that's what Mark taught me. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's wonderful. And my son was down from Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Joe, Joe Anthony really loved Mark, and... Uh, I remember when he hired Mark. Uh, when he hired Joe Anthony, I said to Mark, "The only favor I need is for you to meet my son. After that, if it doesn't work out, you can can him. You can do whatever it is that you want." And uh, mm -hmm. uh, the last thing he did for my son was write an amazing letter of endorsement uh, for him to get into York University's MBA program, which he's doing wow. 
uh, starting in September. So Mark uh, left quite an imprint on my on my boy, and so as a family, we'll carry Mark's legacy forward. Uh, so that that was wonderful, and and I thank you all very much for allowing me to be here tonight. This is a real privilege uh, to be here with all of you. Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing moment for all of us, I think, and thank you for being here, Bill uh, Reno. Um, <clears throat> so Mark, being the quote downtown booster, and you being the counselor for the downtown, that relationship in and of itself is kind of fascinating to think about. And uh, l l let me ask you, on an average day, how many texts would you get <laughs> from Mark Boscario? <laughs> well, that you yeah, can yeah. read. Sure. <laughs> well, you don't need to share. That just I on average, how many? I mean, it must have been just sort of a constant and <clears throat> ongoing conversation that never ended, was always in the same, about different things well, that we could do in the community. But I think that's how he was with everyone. I mean, true. it was always this unending thread of texts, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it was restaurant-related, cooking-related, food-related, politics-related, travel-related, kids-related now, recently. Um, yeah, it, 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 uh, it transcends all kinds of things. When, when it, the, the aspect of, um, you know, he's a political supporter and those types of things, he made you a better person. If you're a better person, you're a better politician. I mean, it's that simple. And it's and it's those types of things where, you know, I'm I'm extremely grateful for Shane Mitchell bowing out last week because, uh, you know, I was on a thread with Doug and he was like, oh, we're kind of screwed. We have no guests. I'm like, I'm free. I can come down. And it was me, Mark, and Don. And it was just so much fun. I mean, mm -hmm. arguing with him was such a great sport it was it was the best it was it kept you you know he would say something and you would sit back and have to think about it because it'd be like shit he's kind of right and it's like <laughs> oh he's got a point and then but you kick something back and he would listen and and it was that simple pragmatic common sense making the point like the million dollars worth of christmas lights across the city where you couldn't ignore it you'd have to say jesus <laughs> you know like listen to this it, it was so basic um, and yeah, I mean, I think early on, we always had two very different styles from, you know, his approach to restaurants. He was the top guy, bought the building, opened the restaurant. I cobbled together a thousand dollars and tried to make it happen. And he would always tell me, you know, I never thought you were going to make it at Reno's Kitchen. I never thought you were going to win the election in 2014. It's like he, 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 he told you, he told you flat out. Those kinds of friends, right? But, yeah, yeah. but he was a thousand percent behind you in yeah. both endeavors. And it's just like, didn't think you were going to make it, but you deserved a chance. And when he, you know, was impressed by the fact that you did it, um, it meant a lot. And it was those types of things. I remember him telling his, um, explaining to Andreas why, you needed to support good people in politics and why um and he was using me as the example at the time and then introducing me to him after the election and explaining it and it's it's one of those things where um you know it, it doesn't leave you when you're in this position you hear a lot of people crap on you i mean it's non-stop it's so when you see someone that's actually you know politicians is not a dirty word and it shouldn't be a dirty word um but the aspect where um you know he supported people who believed in the community he would say things you know when when little things when i did the beer store boycott one of the first people to call me he was like this this is genius mm -hmm. and it's just like and he got it you know it's just like half of it was a gimmick you know we got we bought three beers from the the beer stores <laughs> probably three cases a month mm -hmm. it didn't hurt whatsoever but it <laughs> but it was but he got it and it was very few people 
who would understand it and then actually and then go to the point of supporting he's like i'm going to do it too at these three restaurants and this is how it's going to mm-hmm. be and it says and and those types of things i mean people don't realize it but him immediately coming on board on something like that meant that more craft breweries were going to deliver to windsor because mm-hmm. they had more people to sell to which you know people don't get how things happen but a lot of these behind the things behind the scenes things that are just there and and mark was just always there when you know when the integrity commissioner complaint came to council mark was there as a delegate you know he 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 had a viewing party and he shuttled people over (laughs) um he made city council sport a fun sport where people actually wanted to come and view um and and participate so i remember him you know um asking me who who jess bondy was that she that he saw as a delegate at council and that night he sent her a message saying how great she did and encouraging her and then that made her that much more confident to come back Mm -hmm. it's like these are not people that he knew or needed to reach out to um but he just always saw the big picture of trying to get everybody moving in the same direction and when yeah when you know when and the thing that you learn with mark is that when you're right you're right and you can say it however you want and he said it however he wanted and because most of the time when he spoke like that he was right and when he was wrong he admitted it and he and and he might have even been the first one to point it out Mm -hmm. so um yeah too much to take away and like too many stories but so much of that i mean the void that he's going to leave to fill on the things that go on downtown um you know it's uh I've, I've mentioned this a couple times, but you know, we we brought forward a CIP for for downtown, and it was a Friday meeting, and and for what I would deem as political reasons, they gutted out the little things matter part of the CIP that that we worked hard to, to include. Um, you know, we spent the next two days, both myself and Sarah from the DWCC, trying to see how we can make this happen. Otherwise, we needed funders, so I called. I, I remember sending. Mark a text. He called me. We talked about it before I could even finish sentence. He said yes. The next day, he's texting me saying he's got almost three thousand dollars, twenty eight hundred dollars raised already. And I had to tell him to wait because we hadn't even asked Bob if he was willing to do it <laughs> and host it. And he had already found three thousand um, dollars to do it. So this is the type of stuff that I mean. There's probably a hundred, a thousand of these stories mm-hmm. easily of Mark, and it's just nonstop. Don. Um- I don't want to go. Well, I am going to go back to the to the whole uh, to your role in the media. You've covered Mark, and you, you talked about him being a quote machine. But how much of his activism and community boosting that he was doing um, filled the discussion in the newsroom around? Well, this is something that Mark that uh, that Mark's been involved in. Like take take for example the Christmas lights that he put up on the and the context that he was trying to to frame around that. Um, uh, this is an expenditure uh, that the uh, that I made, and look at how much I could do with this amount. Like, how much would you guys, from the media perspective, pick up on the the points that he was trying to make, and how much would that actually drive the news? Uh, well, I mean, it, you know, it uh, he was always somebody you had to seek out if you wanted to, uh, you know, talk about big issues, you know, sort of in the downtown or, or around the city, because he wasn't afraid to, to speak his mind, you know. I don't think that he drove news coverage, you know, necessarily. I mean, he was he was a, a big champion uh, in, in a lot of stories, and he was he was somebody that you absolutely had to talk to when you were writing, you know, uh, st- stories like that. 
Um, and, you know, the one thing he was very good at was, was getting his message out, but whether he was, uh, you know, using it on uh, the Facebook message boards or, or writing letters, mm-hmm. um, you know, it wasn't in a sort of, you know, professional top-down way. It was very grassroots. And I think, you know, that was really his strength was, was kind of organizing it and speaking, you know, at it, you know, like that on a grassroots level. If you, you know, just at his, his visitation the other night, like you looked around the room, that huge line yeah. that went around the room, and there was people from every different walk of life. And the kindness he did, uh, you know, to Paul, the <coughs> kindness he did to me, he probably did to everybody in this room and everybody in that room. And when people talk about his legacy, that's going to be his legacy. All those hundreds of people, all their feet, you know, with sort of the confidence and uh, positivity he gave them, like, moving forward. Um, we haven't even seen the beginning of that. Looking at some of the things, you know, so, so just even on those message boards that you talked about, um, could you get a sense of, like, how much he th- that felt like he was able to influence public opinion just using, the, you know, his, the courage that he had to, uh, to say some of the things that other people might be thinking and, and, and putting them out there in the most public places that he could find? Uh, you you were you know uh, I'm I'm not sure that you were necessarily moderating the comments on all of but you, I'm sure you saw a lot of them and you saw people interacting with that uh, not just driving the news but just driving the discourse that was happening in the community I think it was a big part of what uh, who he was and, and what he's left us with absolutely and I think yeah. someone said you know he had the courage to to admit when he was wrong mm-hmm. and I think you know that's a quality everybody should should try to emulate you know what sure. I mean because nobody is right all the time mm-hmm. and uh, it, I think it really enhances uh, his credibility. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, a real good way to be. Al, um, so you were somebody who came up uh, in the political world with Mark Boscariel as this person. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're going to have to bend down or something, dude. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But, uh, yeah, bend over. <laughs> you probably heard Mark say that. Some friends around the table. Yeah. Uh, no, but so, I mean, as a younger guy, you got Mark Boscaro. So let me ask you this. You were elected in your 20s. Um, Mark was a, a person who had a larger-than-life presence in the community and probably a larger-than-life presence in the political circles that you Mark kind was of, huge you, in my world. You I'll, grew up in. I'll, so I'll just talk you, about that experience. I yeah. met Mark 16 years ago. Um, Pat will remember. Bill will remember. I met him on Richard Pollock's campaign. And... Uh, I always thought, who is this nutty guy? He'd just come in and he would sit at the campaign meetings and would like monopolize half of the uh, campaign with all his ideas. And, you know, and I, and I'd look at my, you know, other volunteers and their eyes would be popping out, but it took, it took a, you know, a good couple weeks to just really understand, uh, Mark. Mm -hmm. And, uh, once you did, uh, he was a real blessing in everyone's life. I'll tell you one thing. uh, Not a lot of people know this. And, uh, he gave my first job, my first real job, other than you know working in fast food and parking lots and uh, uh, delivering the newspaper. Uh, my first job was Mark's uh, uh, assistant, mm-hmm. and uh, what that entailed was uh, well everything, everything you can even ever imagine. Uh, and it was, I, and I said, I told. Careful what you say now. <laughs> I, t- I told uh, his former uh, business partner Eric from Chinosos that those were some of the best days I've ever had in my life because you learned so much he was so kind even when you messed up royally and even when I didn't work for him and as a counselor when I really messed up royally you know I I I still remember that that phone call he gave me and I started oh my god you shit the bed 
but but <laughs> that's how that's how it started. But you know, he was a buttress of support. Like you know, he took on Drew Dilkins on Facebook. Uh, uh, on the co- you know the, he, Drew was posting stuff and, yeah. and he was commenting on his posts and calling him immature and saying grow up and you should be a city councilor and act and, and he was just taking him head on and he took everyone head on and he, he protected me and he tr- he tried hard and he did everything he could and that's the sense of friendship and loyalty that he gave so many of us and the the, the just he positioned me again a lot of people know this he positioned me in my life to be able to be successful. Like, he helped me pay my university tuition. He helped me get laser eye surgery because at one point in my life, I wanted to become a police officer or a firefighter. And he said, well, you can't do it because you're half blind because I tried parking his car once. He had a BMW X5, I think it was, and I took out the whole half side of the bumper. And he was standing there while watching me while parking it. And he didn't say a word when it smashed. And he said, yeah, we might want to get your glasses checked. <laughs> and, uh, at that point, he took me to go see Fuad Tefor, and uh, yeah, he paid for my laser eye surgery. Uh-huh. Now, people know that as a kid, yeah. Um, and but he, he, he just such a huge support uh, for me. And uh, you know, he wrote me a letter of recommendation as far as two years ago to, to uh, for the job I applied at Merck, and uh, I pulled it up today. And yeah. I actually had it in my pocket at the funeral, and um, mm. it was just amazing. He was an amazing influence in our lives, particularly mine. And uh, throughout my, my public service career, uh, you know, I, I could always count on him for, for some advice, uh, whether it's solicited or not. And um, uh, I could always count on him for an honest opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely, definitely remember those days as some of the best days ever. So, yeah. yeah. Thank, thanks, Al. Um, Pat, so... You've had a, you, there's layers upon layers upon layers of the relationship that you've had, that you've had with Mark Boscaro. This is the political panel now, so let's. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to reflect on the idea of trying to work with Mark in a political context, whether it's a, whatever campaign it might be on or, or around issues that you would you would be trying to drive. And you know, we all know Mark has is you know there's a million different conversations happening in his mind. There's but there's there's as many ideas that are that are out there trying to rein that in and bringing that into something that could be constructive into the context of some type of political objective? I think it's a really, really good question or a really good comment, and I've got two things to say, and one is a personal story. Um, after uh, Sandra Papatello uh, retired in Windsor West, um, you know, people approached Mark. Um, again, he was a liberal, and um, actively uh, so, more, more so uh, federally than he was provincially at that point. Uh, but people, you know, what happens when somebody big retires like Sandra Papatello is they go into the community and they take a look and say, okay, you know, who's going to fill these shoes? And uh, so Mark was approached. And, um, you know, a, a lot of the stories here are um, at peer level or, you know, like Al's and, and the many who um, Mark was their mentor. I was actually only a year older than, than Mark, but I felt that I was his definitely older sister in many ways, in many different ways. You know, maybe, you know, that's because Mark really was young um, in his spirit. And so, um, you know, one of the shock in his passing is that, you know, the realization that he was only ever a year younger than me when I always felt like he was like, you know, I wanted to like smack him (laughs) because he's my brother. But um, 
uh, he he was approached to run in Windsor West uh, by the Liberals to replace Sandra Papatello, and he sent me a, a message, and he said, Pat, what do you think? And, you know, I'm just going to put it out there, and maybe people are going to um, uh, be critical of that. Of course, you know, uh, 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 Mark listened to a lot of people, so I knew that Mark mm-hmm. would listen to a whole host of people, and mine would not be the only um, uh, voice in there. Uh, but certainly my voice was the one that was most definitely, don't do it, Mark. And I'll tell you why. Um, because, you know, and, you know, right now we have the political panel around this table. It's the easiest thing in the world to tell somebody to run for office. It really is the easiest thing in the world. How many people are told you should run? You know, you have an opinion or you're part of a, of an, of an, uh, particular special interest group you have a cause in the community suddenly you're out there you're you're pushing that cause and suddenly people are telling you you should run for office i've been doing this for a long time um just because you are active doesn't mean that's the only form of activism activism that you had and i had a great deal of of respect for mark because he was that individual and i never wanted him to lose that authenticity i really do think that if he chose to run for municipal office at any you know at any position whether it be uh, city city councilor perhaps mayor if if that were to cross his path i may have had a different um uh, opinion to give him but the position was mpp and so i threw it back and 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 many times mark would come to me and said you know you were the only one and um i still have that email pat and it was a long one and it was a heart-to-heart one and i said mark i'm not telling you not to do it and i'm also not telling you that you can't win and as it turned out the liberal candidate did go on to win that election take that for what you will but i said are you prepared to for example be a partisan to the point because being a liberal doesn't mean you agree with everything uh that your party represents it's one thing to be a member of the party and work to change something that for example we now need to do now that it's been you know decimated and rebuilt need rebuilding but at the time you know, they were in government. It was under uh, McGinty. And I said, are you prepared to go out and speak Dalton McGinty's talking points? That's what you have to determine, Mark. And at one point, are you going to disagree with Dalton McGinty and know that you actually can't go out there because that's the nature of that political game? Um, so those are the sort of the two things. Um, that's that's the sort of the one aspect that I, I, I always think about Mark in that particular role. I I still think it was the best advice. I still think it's a really easy thing to say. And I think when you care about people, that you, when they make that decision and they ask you your opinion, you know, if I'm wearing a hat to say, yeah, I need to fill the seat with a candidate, it's very easy to say. But when you care about the person and you care about who they are, we should really think about, you know, is this good for them? Is it good for their family? Is it good for them? I don't think it would have been good for Mark, to be honest with you. I'm glad I gave him that advice. Uh, Jessica Sartori, you're sitting at the back of the room there. I hadn't even asked you to, to join us, but I'm going to now. Uh, you got to share. You're, you're an elected trustee so and have been connected to Mark for many, many, many years. So what was that experience like for you and Mark lobbying you as a trustee around whatever causes he was thinking would be appropriate to ask you to be involved in? Yeah, thanks for calling me up, Karen. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it, obviously, over uh, the um, the last few days. I think the first time that uh, I met Mark uh, wasn't actually through RCP. I think it was through a Hackforge event um, that uh, Mark had uh, brought uh, his son to, and uh, it was at um, uh, the library in uh, Riverside. And he didn't know me at, at all. We uh, we get introduced through uh, Doug, uh, of course, 
and uh, he finds out that you know that I'm running to be a, a public school uh, trustee, and um, you know he wanted to know why I I mm-hmm. um, was interested in running, um, and uh, I explained you know to him my uh, my reasons why, and he just jumped right in like I didn't have to ask him for you know if I could put a sign up, he just you know immediately invited me to do so. Um, you know, any help I can give you, just let me know, and I'm mm-hmm. going to be sure to tell everybody to vote for you. And he did yeah. on election day um, in 2014, and it really meant a lot to me because I, nobody in the community really knew who I was. And um, I had a deep respect for Mark um, as a community leader, and this has been an interesting uh, I think conversation that uh, he chose not to run. He chose not to go the the political path, um, and um, so I had a, a deep respect for him. And here was this person who was wanting to, you know, support me as as much uh, as he could, and it really meant a lot. Yeah, that, you know what? That's um, that's really similar to my story, by the way. Uh, Mark happens to live in my ward, hmm. and uh, there would be all kinds of great reasons for Mark to run against somebody like me. Um, many, many good reasons for him to do that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Don, Don, exactly. And, and I remember, uh, Paul, uh, he's, he said, I can, I can introduce you to Mark. Um, and you guys are going to have some challenging discussions. We'll see where it goes. And, uh, so those, those discussions started happening. In fact, the first night that I really, like, I knew who he was, um, first night I met Mark was at the C-Jam Awards Ceremony, the Jammies, as it was called, and Rose City Politics won the award for Best, best Talk Show, and it, but it, that whole night was just him and I talking about the community, and uh, I think it was good that, you know, none of you guys could show up, actually, that night, as you, as you may recall, but it was, so it was kind of, it kind of might have, I think it helped my cause that um that night i happened to win a trophy <laughs> so and there's a couple of, actually i have a couple of photos i was looking at today about uh, with mark and i on that evening um and uh it was uh it was a, it was a great night because that con- that night was about that discussion mark and i talking about the city of windsor uh our competing sometimes and other times aligned visions for the community and that evening uh i made a great friend uh, I made uh, uh, an incredible, uh, I found an incredible ally, somebody who became uh, 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 a booster, a booster for the downtown, but he became a Kieran McKenzie booster as well within his own circles. And I can tell you and everyone listening that that was incredibly important for me on a personal level, that somebody who was as well-known and respected in the community saw something in me that he could, uh, that, that he wanted to support, even though he knew I came from a different political universe than him, uh, and that he was suspicious of that political universe. Who um, is Yeah, that's right. But um, uh, he was just, uh, like, you brought me back, just with that story about, you know, having that, um, that discussion with him, and, that, uh, uh, and it went from somebody that wasn't, you didn't have much of a relationship with to suddenly they're all in. And Mark was that for me, and he was somebody. And, and believe me, that was it. wasn't all, uh, you know, just a, a rosy relationship from that day forward. He was constantly challenging views, um, 
we've had visceral, visceral discussions uh, <coughs> on our, as many of you witnessed on our Rose City Politics thread and even ones on air. Um, respected those views, respected the idea that his ideas could be challenged and really enjoyed uh, having those discussions and that's, you know, uh, that's what, I'm, I'm just going to miss that so much. Somebody who had the depth of knowledge that he did and was willing to challenge every single inch of the ideas that you wanted to put forward um, if he didn't if he didn't agree with them or if he didn't like them um, but would still uh, still had enough respect to um, listen to them consider them and come to maybe some kind of middle ground or maybe not maybe maybe even more polarized after it but the discussion and getting to that point was always an amazing journey with him actually have a comment uh, to um, to uh, follow up on what I said earlier and also to, to what you're speaking to. And that is, you know, that hashtag uh, be like Mark. And I think people are taking, you know, whatever they will with it. Uh, you know, at the eulogy, I, I thought that at, at its very simplest, it means do something. Um, but I want to talk about something that's really interesting about Mark, and I think it's an, a re really important message in our community. And when you take a look at everything that Mark was involved with, whether it was from the downtown BIA to the Chamber of Commerce uh, to the various councillors that he interfaced and mayors that he interfaced with, um, whether it was uh, the party, including the Liberal Party, because we've mentioned that before, uh, at every turn... Mark would find himself both um, aligned with and disagreeable with. And those two things were not mutually so disconnected that there had to be a war on what that meant. In other words, it could be possible to be part of the downtown community or a member of the downtown BIA and, and uh, very much disagree with a decision. He was not being disloyal. He was trying to make something better. And so I think sometimes that we, I really think it's a problem in Windsor that we think that we can't possibly disagree without starting to make enemies of each other. And I go back to a comment that I made to somebody and, you know, and I'm going to make it here. And, and you know what, Mark, uh, you know, I wear different hats and one of those is my, you know, passion for women's issues. And Mark was an incredible feminist in many ways. He may not have talked that language, but you take a look at Mark and it goes back to who was at that, you know, uh, in those lines, as Don mentioned, and you can see that Don, that that Mark was about people, and he did not see certain uh, things that uh, posed problems and barriers to our um, a more tolerant community. So, so when you take a look at sort of how Mark was, um, he was very much an intersectional feminist. He found where he intersected with people, and so, for example, Kieran, he may have intersected with you on downtown issues, and may have. And not intersected, perhaps, on fiscal policies at the provincial level or whatever it was, but it was what bound us together yeah. that was important yeah. and arguing and working uh, through some of those and maybe deciding that we're going to completely disagree forevermore, but we can still go out and have a beer. Um, that's the beauty, and I think that's a huge lesson that we take from Mark, and I think our community will be all the better for it and way more mature when we realize that we can actually disagree with the mayor and let me pause, and counselors, and still show a great deal of respect for someone who made enormous contributions in this community, and we deserve to say it, just because, because it's true. Okay, I think, I think we can leave it there, to be honest. I, I just, I'll just say thank you to everybody for being here. 
uh, tonight, Sarah on the board. Uh, there's uh, so many people here that have. Uh, you want to uh, hear from Twitter, though, right? No, no, no. I, well, I'm going <laughs> to kick it over. I'm <laughs> kicking it to Sarah in just a second. I'm just going to do my sign off, thanking everybody who, who's been who's participated in this show. Um, some amazing comments, uh, Doug. You took uh, you did a lot of work putting these clips together. Thank you, thank you very much for doing that. Thanks everybody for being here. Uh, we're gonna end off with Sarah's gonna. Are you gonna read off? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna read off some tweets. People have been interacting with the show at RCP Windsor on Twitter. Um, so that's gonna be it for me. And thank you everybody for your, for listening to this great show tonight. All right. So um, Kim Biscariel actually tweeted us. Mark extended kindness to people he respected and believed had good character, like Reno, like Pat, like Bill Mara. Uh, we also heard from is, uh, Mark's sister. So thank you so much. Uh, Rebecca Blavoet, who said uh, her favorite Mark Muscarial moment, he gave us two pieces of wisdom sitting in our office. Memorable quotes, but they've changed our approach to our business. He cared enough to really enter into our quandary and the 42nd solved it. Uh, also, uh, Raymond Huang, who also said reading his words in the paper and getting into Facebook debates made me more engaged. So we have a lot of people, and as you go through... It's not just on our thread, it's everywhere. If you go to the uh, Be Like Mark hashtag, I'm sure you'll see even more of this. Uh, Lee Vachon said, I didn't know Mark, but how fortunate am I to know many of his friends, where at the time it comes uh, that we were all spoken about with so much love and reverence. So I think that's a great uh, note to end. So thank you so much for listening, everyone, and uh, have a great night. <laughs>